that's one piece to the puzzle of how we get unstuck is really looking at our expectations and how, you know, they're leading us. Welcome to the Found Podcast with Molly Knuth, a podcast for women who are founding and getting found with their businesses online. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and my mission is to help women rewrite how we live and work on our own terms. We want to grow families, impact others for the better, and be a positive force in our communities. But we also want to have a fulfilling life, you know? In the past six years, I've gone from being a stay-at-home mom to a freelance social media marketer to a hashtag boss babe, managing client needs, talented team members, and my husband and four kiddos on our little farm here in Eastern Iowa. And what I've learned in that time is that it's not just about going full force or any one-size-fits-all strategy for a business owner. It takes you leaning into your unique gifts, intuition, and goals, and learning who you are as a person along the way to founding this business. So come along for lessons and stories from female founders growing and scaling their businesses through energetics, tried and true tactics, and high vibe personal growth. Be ready to get found. My friends, you are in for a treat this episode. If you are ever someone who has uttered the words, whether out loud or just to yourself in your own head, if you've ever thought, who am I to blank? This is the episode for you. Today, I sit down with Amanda Walker, who is a master certified performance coach, speaker, creator of the Best Damn Coach program, and the host of the Best Damn Coach podcast. She is so fun and she brings the energy, y'all. Amanda Walker is a certified master coach who inspires coaches to become better coaches and increased performance in their lives. Amanda is passionate about helping coaches and online service-based business owners help their clients achieve massive results in order to grow a profitable coaching practice without spending massive dollars on marketing. And as you'll hear in today's episode, Amanda and I have some similarities. Like me, she also was a teacher, a high school teacher. She was a trainer in various capacities throughout her professional career, and then she started her own business in 2018. Amanda is a certified master life and performance coach, certified NLP and hypnotherapy practitioner, a level one CrossFit coach, and a precision nutrition coach. She has a combined 25 years of diverse and immersive coaching experience that she has integrated to help make coaches better and grow their coaching businesses through a focus on client results and creating walking billboard testimonies. You guys, I love that she was able to take some of these concepts that can seem a little like hard to understand and make them so clear, so concise, and really understandable and actionable. And one of my favorite things that we discuss is that through her educational training and going into the career field she is now, She takes some of those lessons she learned from her former seasons of life and has taken that to help people where she's at today, primarily in this concept of reverse engineering outcomes, which we dive into at numerous stages of today's interview. So I'm going to sign off and without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to my friend, Amanda Walker of The Best Damn Coach. Before we get into the episode, friend, there's something I want to share with you. Now, whether you are identified as a small business owner or as an entrepreneur, if you are someone who is a creative, you might be a little bit like me where you love the doing and the creativity that comes with what your business is all about. But when it comes to financial discussions, you're not quite as confident. My friend Sheila Hansen is my secret weapon. She is a CPA and she believes that creatives deserve to understand the money in their business. As a virtual CFO, CPA, and coach, she and her team are your go-to for the money side of your business. They understand that you may think you're not good with numbers, but they're here to change that. Others might not take your business as seriously, but they do and they believe that you deserve to understand your money. Now, 
I have worked with Sheila in a couple of different capacities, and I truly believe that if you are someone who is feeling out this concept of outsourcing your bookkeeping or your accounting, the best way to start is with one of Sheila's intensive days. It's an in-depth day for you as the CEO to create a strategic financial plan, and you're not doing it alone. Together, you and Sheila will spend six hours digging into your business numbers and discover the story that they're telling you because, my friend, it is not just about the numbers at face value. So much of it is about the money mindset and the thoughts that you have about money and how that impacts the decisions you make. After an intensive day with Sheila, you walk away with an action plan for becoming the confident decision maker that you dreamed you would be. Right now, Sheila has a limited number of intensive days available on the calendar for creative business owners who desire more confidence and more strategy around the financial side of their business. And if this sounds like something you need, I highly suggest that you reach out to Sheila by going to Hanson, that's H-A-N-S-E-N-L-L-C.net and heading over to her services page to get set up for a discovery call. I had an intensive day with Sheila back in October of 2021, and she really helped me so much making big decisions and understanding what my money mindset was telling me was a limit and what was just a story I was telling myself. You guys, I cannot recommend my friend Sheila enough. So anyway, head over hansonllc.net. Check out her services page and get signed up for one of her intensive days. A limited number of spots are available for 2023, and I'd love to see you get one of them. I am so excited to welcome you to the Found Podcast today. Amanda, thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm so excited. And on a fabulous Friday, we get to end our weeks together. So perfect for me. Ah, and... I don't know about you, but the energy is there for today's discussion. You and I, I'm like, I just can't wait to learn from you, like selfishly myself. And I know that like in reading through your bio and learning about you, like we have a lot of commonalities that I'm excited to dig into. And then we are going to really bring, bring some great gold nuggets for the listeners. So before we dive into any of that, Amanda, I'm going to turn it over to you. And in your own words, will you just like do a brief introduction? Tell us a little bit more about who you are, where you're located, and who you serve. Yeah, for sure. Um, First off, I am a native to Arizona, so I love the heat and the snow is not for me. And like if we rewind, just to kind of go back from the beginning, because it is very relevant, is... My first ever job was coaching peewee basketball, like a peewee basketball team. So it's like five and six-year-old boys. And while it was less coaching and more like herding cats and telling them to keep their hands to themselves, it did give me, I think, the first dose of what it feels like to watch another human being kind of level up their life and their abilities and see kind of like, oh my gosh, what it means to for me, what it meant to help a child believe in themselves and the magic that they had inside of them. And that was kind of the domino that began my life filled with serving and coaching and teaching in some capacity. And so I went on formally in undergrad to study physiology and then went to grad school. Um, I decided to bail on my pre-med studies and decided I wanted to be a high school teacher. And so I got certified in both teaching and also secondary and coaching. And so I've taught, you know, high level sports. I've also taught teachers. I was, um, I coached a lot of teachers, you know, inside the district and I have coached CrossFit. I've coached many areas in my life because truly that is like where my heart is. And when I was in my 10th year of teaching, I had my second child and decided that I was like barely really not even tapping into my full potential. And so I left that career with no plan no strategy, nothing, $50,000 of debt, in fact, and just a lot of trust that something would happen for me and like doors would open and something would would come of it. And that's when I stumbled into entrepreneurship and began growing my coaching practice in the nutrition and health space and grew that from literally I was making $600 paychecks as a teacher to um, seven figure business serving people in health and nutrition work. And 
I love that. And what I realized is I want to take the learnings from that business and help more coaches, practitioners, service-based leaders use some of the things I learned inside of that coaching practice and begin to help them grow theirs. And so that's where I'm at now. I run uh, a group program called The Best Damn Coach, and I host a podcast named The Same uh, because that's kind of my mission is to help coaches both grow their mastery and skill of coaching and also develop their skills as an entrepreneur. And so I get to do that. And then I do high performance coaching work inside of corporations. I speak on stages around performance coaching, and I get to meet cool people like you talking about the things that I love. I always love hearing the origin story of various entrepreneurs because hindsight is always 2020. And listeners of the podcast know that at least once every episode, I bring that fact up. But it really does like when we look back at where we are today, we can see how each different season of our life, each different iteration of our career or our personal being really does teach us these little lessons that add up to the sum total of who we are today. And I love hearing your story too. And again, like the commonalities that we have in education and teaching and that like personal growth pursuit I really do find in a lot of conversations with entrepreneurs that there are so many people who at one point were involved in teaching or education, and it really did propel them into this service of others. And teachers are just so, so balanced, I feel like, and very skilled in a lot of different capacities. And when you're talking about like how you today are speaking on stages, speaking in front of corporate boardrooms you know, coaching one-on-one, all of that I hear is like pulling from your educational experience and those different um, scenarios you had in your time in the classroom. How do you feel about how teaching prepared you for this season of your career? Yeah. I mean, like anybody I faced in the beginning, like heavy feelings of imposter syndrome, because I felt like I'm stepping away from this you know, I went to private school for grad school. I scholarshiped my way in undergrad. I had hefty student loans and here I was going to be abandoning those in my perspective at the time. Um, and of course, I, I put a lot of value in academia at that point of my life because I'd never been exposed to what really experience and passion can create because I've taught in coaching world. We call this level four people who grow up and they're like, okay, I go to school. I get A's because society and teacher tells me it's the best. Then I go and I get a career. I meet the person that I'm supposed to marry. I have children and rinse and repeat. I stay there until I die and retire, right? And that is the model that many of us have been, you know, experienced. And so when you're moving and shifting away from that values level into five, which is like full-blown entrepreneurship and freedom, time freedom, belief freedom, you realize like there isn't a right way to live, right? There's a lot of beliefs, right, that limit you in that transition. And I was no different than anybody else, including like what what value can I I really bring? But to answer your question directly, I think actually the, the thing that has made me so good at what I do now that I brought from teaching is the ability to reverse engineer anything that I want. So in teaching, right, we learned like here's the core outcomes that the teachers, the students rather have to master. And so the creative part and the fun part from my perspective as a teacher was like, okay, how am I going to work back from Z to A then? If I know this is what I need them to know at the end of the unit, then how am I going to help them hit those core objectives? And I use that all the time from how I design my webinars. Right now I'm hosting a challenge. So I was like, what do I want them to do at the beginning or at the end? And that's how I dictate the content of the days. This is how we coach right? The clients tells us what they want in the beginning. That's the core outcomes. And then I'm thinking in my brain, how am I setting up the perfect framework for that client to have success? And so I think that teaching totally led me to to that skill set. And I use it all the time inside my business now. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. And I wholeheartedly agree that there is, that reverse engineering is really a secret sauce that can help coaches in a variety of industries or even people in a variety of small businesses really hit their goals and hit their targets by just thinking about what is that outcome that I desire and how can I break that down into those smaller steps so that I get there in the end? I love that. One thing that you and I talked about in the very beginning when we just crossed paths 
was that, and you brought it up here a little bit ago too, was this feeling of like, who am I to like, leave this business behind this educational business, this educational career path that I thought was the path for me in this pursuit of something different. But then you said that you had this thought, this thought of, well, why not me? It's available to other people. I've seen others pursue this. So why not me? So can you take us to some times in those early stages of that transition into your new career path where that concept of why not me really carried you forward? Yeah. I would actually love to tell you a story first that kind of goes along. Yes. I love stories. really, Really relevant is I think that this actually part of me started, you know, in high school. And then over the years, as you know, I got older, right, some of the parts of me, I kind of lost. And that would be like the fearlessness and the bravery to just step into things without overthinking it, right, without caring about what people think about you. And I, um, I was a competitive basketball player my entire life. I played varsity all four years. And so to say basketball was my life is kind of like an understatement. I played 24-7. And um, my junior year of high school, we were like six weeks out from state playoffs. And I was in a game playing a rival high school. And I decided I was going to take a charge. And if you're not familiar with basketball, a charge is when you basically stand in front of an oncoming player that has the ball. And you sacrifice your body and they run into you. And then the foul is on them, which allows your team to have possession back. And so I took that charge, totally got it called by the way, which is important. But (laughs) on the way down, I, as I went to like catch my fall, I broke my wrist in catching my body weight. And we were six weeks out from state and I was a critical, you know, part of the team and I was devastated. And when you're like 17 years old and sports are your thing, you know, you know, for those of you that have children, like when that's taken away, it feels like the world is ending. And being a great teammate and a captain, I still was going to practices in about a weekend. By this time, I'd had a hard cast. And I remember my coach was like this short, stocky man, almost Bob Ross hair, just funny personality, like just such a great guy. And He ran into the gym one day as we were warming up for practice and he was holding like papers or like a book and he was calling for me. My maiden name at the time was Martin. He was like, Martin, Martin, come here. And I was like, yes, coach. And he looks at me and he's like, you can play. And I was like, what are you talking about? I can play. He's like, well, the rules say as long as you don't use your cast as a weapon, we can bubble wrap you and you can play in the game. I was like, this guy's crazy, right? And what I didn't mention is it was my shooting hand. And so I broke my shooting hand, oh, which wow. would mean I would have to be in the game with a cast and rely on my left hand to play. And I feel like at that point, like all the limiting beliefs came in, like, you know, what are my teammates going to think? Like somebody was going to take my spot, right? And they were probably pretty excited about it. And now I'm going to take it back. Like the stands are going to yell, they're going to judge me, like, who am I too? all of these things, right? And I think that's synonymous with what happens in our life. The moment we start to be a visionary in our life, the moment we start to think about, oh my gosh, all the possibilities, we have this, who am I too? And in that moment in particular, I did channel that inner thought of like, why not me? Like, why not me? Just say yes, put some bubble wrap on my cast and go in and score double digits, which is in fact what I ended up doing with a cast on my hand and scored like in particular the first game back winning free throws to send us into the next round of state playoffs. And so- I felt like once I decided to step into entrepreneurship, that story and similar ones like from my youth kind of came in and I asked myself, like, why, why is this, you know, why is growing a business? Why is making a million dollars? Why is working from anywhere? Why is like all these things? Why is it for other people? And so I had kind of these beliefs that I noticed like people, you know, like it was for other people that were smarter than me, that had more business experience, that had sold something in their life or um, we're more connected. That was a big belief. I was like, oh, they just know more people. And so I had to tap back into that energy of like, why not me? I am equally talented and able and have the same resources or have the opportunity to create the same resources as anybody else. And so that's really where I've woven that back into just my belief system and to offer it to others as well. That's such a powerful memory and such a powerful example 
that you were able to harness that energy and make it work. And I have to believe and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine that that basketball game where you said, why not me? And you stepped onto the court and had that great performance. I have to believe that that helped really build up some confidence in yourself and some trust that you had the grit and the determination and the capability to make things like that happen. Yeah, for sure. Right. It's just evidence to go back to look at in your life of you could do it then in that container and you can do it now. Mm, I love that. And there are so many times where even as adult women, maybe even especially as adult women, these voices can kind of pop up and they imposter syndrome really can take its hold on us. And it can almost immobilize us and put us into this state of like stuck where we can't really move forward with these big goals that we have, these big visions, but we don't really want to go back or stay where we are, but we just don't know what to do next. And have you, Amanda, experienced times like that? And then how did you work through those moments in order to make progress? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think we all, we all experience them and not just in the container of business, but health, fitness, parenting, marriage, all of those things. And I think the things that I think are valuable to take from that are opportunities that I've learned to kind of um, get myself out of those stuck points is uh, maybe I'll share two that come to mind is I think where the inner dialogue can become very potent in our lives and especially on the journey of entrepreneurship is the gap between expectation and reality. And so mm -hmm. I guess to give like a visual is, you know, we're like, we're going to start a business. And it's going to be amazing. And I'm going to put a week's worth of work and I'm going to get sales. And then the reality is we start to take action and it could be honestly a year or six months maybe before we have our first sale or first conversion. And so I call this area in between, by the way, the land of the lost, because I do think this is what happens to a lot of uh, newbie business owners or those maybe pivoting to a different form of business, because I know you have some of those listeners as well, is we expected it to go this way and it doesn't. And so the inner voice sounds like I should be further along. This isn't working. I'm not, you know, I need more knowledge. I need more strategy. And the actuality is, no, we have to align our expectations. And we have to rely on data to form those expectations because often the decision-making from business comes from emotion. Like, I don't feel like it's going well. I don't think I'm doing this right. But then like, I always ask my you know, clients, show me the data. And oftentimes they don't have data. Let's be real, especially in the beginning. Or they have an unrealistic expectation of what the data should be. Like a great example is, a client of mine, she is a recruiting coach. So she helps um, female volleyball players, teenagers sign with their dream schools. And so mm -hmm. she held her first webinar and she had something, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but pretty close to these numbers. She had something like 30 or 40 people sign up for a first workshop, which blew my first workshop out of the water, by the way. I think. It, oh my I gosh, had, same. That's fantastic. Yeah. I think I had one and it was like my mom or something. And, um, and then she had a show up about 20 to 22 people show up. And then she had three people by live on the webinar. And so when I checked in with her, like, how'd it go? She's like, oh, it didn't go well. And I was like, well, tell me more. Like, tell me, what are the numbers? Can you go through all the numbers? And she hadn't looked at the numbers yet. And so we vetted out those numbers. And I was, I was like, you're judging your your outcome right now based on how you feel because you had an unrealistic expectation. Her expectation was at least half or more would buy live on the webinar. And so then I had to say, like, let's look at industry averages. A great conversion rate is 10%. An average is about three to five. And the average show up rate is about 25 to 35%. And you had 50%. Like you crushed the metrics. And so I think oftentimes the opportunity is to really look at, you know, tap in, like, what are your expectations? If you want to make 100K in a year, how? Like, how are you going to get there? You can't just like throw that into midair. And so I think that's that's one piece to the puzzle of how we get unstuck is really looking at our expectations and how, you know, they're leading us. Oh, I think that is a huge, huge 
gold nugget that you just gave to the listeners, because I know that there are lots of people who are tuning in right now and they have been in conversation with some of them and they had these dreams and they had these visions of how things were going to play out. And just to your point, when, you know, their foot hit the ground and time was going and things just weren't really, things weren't really happening the way that they had pictured it in their heads, then it almost created this spiral because things didn't go the way I wanted. I'm losing confidence or I'm going to quit. They quit and they find a new niche and they keep their serial business owners with no real evidence of ever having a business. Mm, Yes. And it can really create this spiral because then everything just compounds. You lose trust in yourself. And, you know, I'm not, I've had this happen to myself too. And so it can be that hard place to get out of, but I love your advice and walking us through a specific example with one of the clients you worked with and really drilling into the facts, drilling into the data. And I know you and I talked about before we got on is that like energy really determines and brings a lot of this like unseen factor to what your business and what your goals can do. But you have to balance that energy with like strategy, hard numbers, data. And I love that you really draw from that like foundational aspect of looking at the numbers and starting from that place so that we have these realistic expectations. Thank you for sharing that with us. Of course. Friend, let's talk for a second about your marketing. If you, like me, know that social media is important to your marketing, but you also don't want to have to post every day, I know, I know, I'm a social media marketer and I'm even saying that. But you want to have something that's a little bit more dependable, a little more structured, and something that isn't dependent on an algorithm to get seen. My friend, maybe it's time to check out email marketing. And more specifically, it might be time to check out Flowdesk. Now, friends, I've been in business for multiple years and in the beginning, I wanted to do email marketing myself and I tried other email service platforms. I've tried the MailChimp. I've tried the Constant Contact. And you guys, if I'm being like plain and simple, I could just never get them to work. They either didn't deliver or they looked like something I just didn't want to put my name on. They just weren't pretty. And I kid you not. When I was recommended to Flowdesk by a friend, I cried real tears when it took me less than 30 minutes to set up and send my first email. And not only did it actually send, it looked like my brand and my business. Now, when you sign up for Flowdesk, not only do you get access to gorgeous email templates, You also get access to setting up landing pages. You get access to workflows, you know, like those welcome sequences where you get one email after another after another automatically. You also get access to their beta checkouts program, which takes out the need to have a third-party purchasing platform like a Shopify. You can keep it all through Flowdesk. If this sounds intriguing to you and you have been looking for the soulmate match of email service providers for your business, I highly recommend checking out Flowdesk. Head over to flowdesk.com, that's F-L-O-D-E-S-K.com, or head to the show notes and click my exclusive link so that you can save 50% on your subscription. That's flowdesk.com for all all of your email marketing needs. So I know that we've talked a little bit about, we've referenced the coaching that you do. And let's talk about that a little bit more because I know that there are listeners out there who might feel like they are one foot into what they currently do. And as we've talked about, they have these visions for maybe where they could be in just a few months or a few years from now. And coaching could be a big part of that. So I know that the word coaching right now on social media in particular, you know, there's a lot of people out there who talk about how they are a coach. They can be a coach for specific niches or specific industries. 
Can you just like drill it down for us? How does a coach really look different than someone who is like an online teacher or someone who is a mentor? Can you help us kind of break down and differentiate between those distinctions? Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that you walk a fine line because there's like, you know, there, there's some blurriness between those. But I think one distinct line could be maybe just a teacher or we could even throw a consultant in there. From my perspective, those people are giving more of a step-by-step approach. Do these things and go out and execute. I think that's valuable, but here's the thing. That's not where people get stuck. People get stuck Mm -hmm. in the implementation. Pretty much we all know what we should be doing when it comes to health and fitness. Why don't we do it has nothing to do with a lack of plan. It has to do with lack of implementation. So coaches are the ones that are really looking at behavioral change and adherence potentially, or really looking at more root cause work. So like, okay, why aren't you doing the thing? You said you were going to post three times on social media and you've done zero. Like, let's explore that where the consultant says, post on social media three times. Um, And so we have to be, and I think there comes a a greater sense of responsibility when you start to identify with the word coach, or some people shy away from it for that reason. They are like, I don't want to. But the reality is we can cultivate results much more deeply because we are actually getting to the root of what's keeping them stuck and creating action forward from there. Thank you for making that so clear. And I I'm so glad that you defined it the way you did, because I do think that that's where people can kind of misunderstand what coaching can help you with. It's not just a formulaic approach. It's not just saying, here's what worked for me. Now go take it and apply it to you, no matter your personal circumstances or anything like that. I love that your definition allows us to see that coaching goes so much deeper and that it's not just about a standardized set of steps that you need to follow. It's really about learning what makes you tick, what motivates you, and what helps you uniquely hit those targets that you have expressed for yourself. Yes, for sure. And you have- Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. And the thing I just want to like layer onto that that I think is important is that this is also where I see people fall into traps of maybe- uh, repeated investments in programs because they keep mm-hmm. looking for the program to be the solution. And what they really need is a coach to help with the implementation and accountability around it. And so if you're somebody that keeps buying into things, not experiencing results, then I would encourage you to maybe look at, you know, a different option. Oh, this wasn't on the prep sheet, but I love that you brought that up. Um, is that something that you see with people in this modern time where we do have a lot of options at our fingertips, just like a button click away. Is this something that you see where people do buy into program after program thinking that that's going to give them what they need to be successful? Yeah, I think there's definitely this desire for magic pill and some of the programs that are very Mm -hmm. scalable. They, they, uh, and it's not to discredit programs. There's amazing programs out there. But if you, if you feel like you're just in this pattern of investing, hoping it's going to be the magic pill, then I think it's like an opportunity for you to step back and evaluate or, um, you know, part of that too, is there's, I've worked with clients that have come to me and said, they wanted to blame all the programs. And I am like very lovingly like, okay, you know, one time, yes, two and three times, like it's time to hold the mirror up for ourselves. Um, And so I think sometimes it does, it makes it easier to buy into programs when there isn't accountability because you can hide from taking the action. And ultimately that doesn't produce results. Oh gosh, that is so another gold nugget. Again, it's almost like we have these little breadcrumbs throughout today's conversation, but listener, just go back, rewind, maybe the last 30 seconds and listen through that one more time again, and really think about yourself and identify what do I know about me that works? What do I know about me in the way that I learn best? What do I know about me in the way that I prefer not to learn? And then there's not like one singular program to your point that's going to work for everyone. All programs are good in their own right, but that doesn't mean that they work for everybody universally. So you really have to take into account who you are as a person, who you are as a learner and align your decisions with that. Yeah, agreed. 
So let's talk a little bit about the best damn coach and your mission to really like help and inspire and empower those up and coming coaches. So they really hone their craft and can be the best damn coaches that they can be. So what in your program or what in your mind really differentiates like someone who is the best damn coach? Like what takes them from being just a coach to being someone who is really elevated and effective and ready to help others? I mean, hands down, the reason I titled the program as I did is I want the coaches in my community to embody that belief because a lack of belief in your abilities as a coach is the the fastest way to not attract clients. And so the reason I titled it is I literally want my people to be like, I am the best damn coach. And when you embody that, you make decisions from a place of high self-belief and high confidence. And that bleeds into everything how you market yourself, how you talk on sales calls, how you, if you pitch yourself to podcasts, if you share your message into the world. And so for me, that is like just number one to acknowledge is if the title sounds like I want to be that, then I want to help you embody that. And that is where everything, you know, and then it's just like this cascade of influence in the rest of your business. The other thing I noticed happening inside the industry is The majority of programs and communities being marketed to coaches were heavily business-based and strategy-based. And the industry sells it as though business is 80% strategy and 20% mindset. And it's actually the other way around, right? I think from my perspective, mindset and the internal work is about 75% of the equation and the other remaining part is strategy. Um, And if you hone in that first portion, then you can strategy forever and get consistent. And so so much of what is being sold to coaches is based in in business tactics. And if you want to be the best damn coach, though, it requires not just the skill, growing the skill of entrepreneurship. It also requires you to grow your mastery as a practitioner, right? It helps. It's a slowdown to help understand, like, are you actually setting targets with your client? Are you collecting their results? Are they getting results? Do you even know if they're getting results? What do you do when they get stuck? What do you do if they don't take action? And so it's my kind of core belief that actually curating client results is the most effective way to grow your business because the number one way businesses still grow, by the way, is word of mouth referrals. Contrary to Facebook ads, contrary to like all the social media platforms, the way businesses still grow is because you freaking over delivered and then they go and tell everybody else that you're awesome. And they share. So, I mean, I'm, I'm hosting a challenge as we talk. That's what I just taught all week is how do we elicit these results and how do we repurpose them to, to leverage them to grow more, you know, uh, of, of your dream clients. And so the best damn coach, we work on both of those things because to be the best, you need both of those skill sets. Oh, I totally agree with you. I'd say until about probably a year ago at this time, I was one of those people that I thought if I just know how to set my business up the right way. If I just have a framework for how my month is going to go, if I just plan out my marketing ahead of time, all the rest will fall into place because I've got the strategy nailed down. And then last year about this time, which, you know, we talked earlier about like, you know, seeing things 2020, when we look in the rearview mirror, that was when I really tapped into the mindset and energetics and understanding that, oh, You know, sometimes I do have a strategy that works for me, but it's also because I have the energy of the, this is going to work. And I have the energy of this is so exciting. And I have the energy of, you know, fill in the blank, but that mindset and that energetics to your point does really make such a huge difference. And especially for the coaches out there that want to be of service and that want to lead others, you know, like you said, that, that self-belief and that embodiment of this is how I'm going to show up. And this is me, you know, being very confident in the fact that I can deliver what you need that does so much. And then the strategy becomes just the smaller component of that approach. 100%. So if there's somebody listening and they are at the very early stages of their own coaching pursuit, 
what is one piece of advice that you would give them to really help them tap into this idea of embodiment? If, if it's a little bit gray for them, if they're like, well, I don't necessarily know how I do that. Is there anything, any tips or advice that you have to help those aspiring coaches out there tap into that embodiment? Yeah, for sure. I think that the first thing is get clear on where you want it to go, even in that first year. So like at the end of the first year, I want to have an income level of 50K. I want to, um, or 10K, whatever it is for you. I want to, you know, have two clients a month on my client roster. I want to be teaching like all those things that, that might be important for somebody that, you know, goal-wise might set out. So I think having specific goals that are measurable is important. And the reason that's important is because then you can begin to ask yourself that a future-paced question of the woman who already has those things, like how does she think? How does she act? And what are her day-in and day-out behaviors, habits that are necessary in order to become that person? And so oftentimes what I'll hear from coaches is like, well, I don't know how to do that. And I will say, well, a woman that already has five clients, how do you think she figured it out? Oh, I started having conversations. I reached out. I'm like, absolutely. So you actually do know the way. The whole idea of like, when we set goals, we're not supposed to know how we're getting there. That's the whole point. Like when you set a goal, the reason is it energetically excites you to like move towards it. And we create solutions based on past experience and what we think it might look like if we were already at that stage. And then we try it and we figure out and we see, does it work or not? So for somebody that's looking to increase kind of that embodiment of best damn coach or the 50K earner or, you know, signing 50K corporate contracts, whatever that is for you is how do you become her now or him now? And what are those day in and day out behaviors, right? She's not sitting in her stuff and having pity parties every day. She's having consistent client discussions. She's posting value or sharing value in some way consistently, whether it's in teachings or social media or hosting workshops, like all those things and become that person now. And then the goal just becomes so much, but you attain the goal so much faster. I love that. And it brings us back to some of those first, um, the first part of our conversation where you talked about a lesson from your teaching experience being that ability to reverse engineer outcomes. And so much of what you just shared with us in that response was really getting clear on what is the outcome and then how do we reverse engineer that? And I love the visioning of the future self. I am all here for that. And I think it's so much fun to say, you know, future version of me is a wealthy woman or future version of me wears a bikini and doesn't care, you know, like, and it's really then making you take, like, just think differently and say, all right, well, if that's me and that is still me of six months from now or a year from now, whatever time frame you put on it, like you said, we just then say, all right, what are those actions I can take today? No matter how small that will help compound so that in that time frame that I've outlined, I become that version of myself. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Mm. Okay. So random question, Amanda, before we begin to like wrap it up, because I knew we were going to have, I knew we were going to have a hard time sticking to our timeframe, but I did have one more question. So when you envision the future version of you, what does that future Amanda look like? What is she doing? How does she carry herself? And who is she? Yeah. The future for me looks like a lot more at time freedom and um, scaling. I'm so grateful to grow like the practice that I have. Um, But the future me is definitely looking to leverage only group programs. And so um, my one-to-one support is kind of going away or is going into VIP days only. Um, The future version of me um, pitches on whatever podcast I want which has definitely been some work that I've done over the years as far as visibility is concerned. The future version of me, which I, I kind of like, as I'm talking to you, it's like I've done so much of this work. It's it's interesting because a lot of what I think about the future has already happened now. Um, since the way I dress when I'm on stage, the like style for me and even embodying the clothes I wear was a huge breakthrough for me as far as how I showed up uh, in my work. 
and on stages and in speaking. So that, that girl like wears whatever she wants. She wears sneakers every single time. She doesn't care when everybody else is wearing pumps. Um, and she wears shorts all the time because she doesn't care because uh, she likes her legs and she feels most comfortable in them. And I think the future version of me um, is also in some way, and I'm still figuring out this, is like investing back in small coaching businesses that are starting out. And I don't know what that looks like, but there's something that's come up for me recently of like, how do I take like all my learnings and reinvest in businesses to grow them, um, especially in the starting stages when it's just so much learning can happen. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. And I, I love that you talked about everything from the style to those big future visions and being open about like how it just really is so unique to each of us. And like, to you, that looks like sneakers and shorts. To me, I know that for me, that is wearing the pumps when I'm on stage. And so, but it's just honoring who that person is and how she is most comfortable and most confident. And I love that you opened up about all of that with us. So thank you. Yeah, that's a good question. Amanda, for those who are listening and they want more, they know that they have what it takes to be the best damn coach in their industry and they want to work with you. How can they find you online and what are some ways that they can learn more about the services you provide? Yeah. So if you're someone that feels that like maybe you're a hidden gem and you want more clients to know you even exist and you are finding ways to stand out in an industry that is growing and saturated, I created a masterclass that's most definitely for you. And so the way to check that out is to visit amanda-walker.com forward slash masterclass and It's um, a 45-ish minute training, and I share some of the important things that you absolutely should be doing in your business to stand out and attract uh, amazing people your way. And um, if you're a coach, practitioner, consultant, service provider, then our podcast, The Best Damn Coach, is definitely a place to check in on. And I'm most active on Instagram, and my handle there is a walk my way. I'd love to, if you heard the show and it resonated with you, please send me a direct message. I am the person that responds and I like to interact that way. So I'd love to hear from you. And I have to endorse the podcast. I love it. And I love that you have a variety of lengths. So like some of them are a little bit longer. If I have a little commute in front of me, I'll pop that in. And some of them are just like really short to the point, quick to consume and take action on. So if you are listening, you're an aspiring coach, definitely go check out Amanda's podcast because it is, it is a gem. Thank you for that. I appreciate that feedback. All right, Amanda, we always end every episode with guests with what we call the small talk round, which are a few just off the cuff questions, which you've already experienced from me thus far in the interview, but these are usually not related too closely to your industry or your work. Are you okay to play the small talk round with us? I am fully transparent. Anything you ask is I'm open for. Awesome. All right, here we go. So you talked about being a CrossFit coach. What is, so this is a two-parter. What is your favorite CrossFit move? And then number two, what is the hardest move that you have successfully accomplished in CrossFit? Okay, so definitely my favorite is box jumps and the hardest would be a muscle up. Okay. I don't know what a muscle up is. Can you break that down? Yeah. So uh, a muscle up is when either on the bar or the rings, uh, I use the bar because I actually am a little afraid of the rings, but you basically go from hanging from the bar and you use a like your shoulder mobility and motion called kipping and you basically pull yourself up so that you are pressed and above the bar. So it's kind of like if you were jumping a fence, you'd have to put your hands on the fence and then get yeah. your body way up. And that's kind of similar movement that you do on a bar. Oh my gosh. That sounds very challenging. Wow. <laughs> it is, but fun. Um, I can't say that I've maintained that skill set now. Um, I, I do have to like listen to my body a little bit more with CrossFit, but um, definitely is a hard one. Well, that's something that you'll always be able to say that you did. And check so definitely <laughs> check that box, take yeah. all of the accolades because that sounds amazing. Um, okay. Question number two. So you said that you really love the heat. You love the warm weather. So if you weren't in Arizona, like where is the other location that you would love to spend the majority of your time? 
I don't have a specific other than the beach. Some like mm -hmm. the beach is just my like serene go-to. So anytime we're on vacation, we're trying to, I'm definitely beach over mountains person, although I love both. And so somewhere that, that has a beach. And I feel like I haven't experienced, like we travel often and I feel like there's so many places that I haven't experienced yet that I haven't found that. We've been to Costa Rica three times and it's definitely beautiful. Um, but the thing that always like, I get to object, like I get to like, well, my parents aren't there and we're really close with our family. So we'd all have to move like my, my rational brain sometimes is like, well, <laughs> um, but yeah, somewhere with a beach. Mm, I love that. All right. Question number three, what is your go-to drink to carry around with you when this you're working? Pain, but it's water. I'm a gallon a day or, um, so like I religiously am drinking water and if I weren't drinking water, um, I, I have certain electrolytes I like to drink. This is so lame. This is like want, want, boring. Um, no, it's great. And I'm trying to think what else, maybe an occasional diet Coke or Pepsi or something. If I'm like out to eat and, um, I don't know. So it's kind of lame, but yeah, water. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I'm also like, I have water and then it's like, in the morning, it's coffee. And I'm like, that is the most. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Sparkling water once a day for sure. I love. Okay, here we go. It would be um, a cherry bubbly. It kind of tastes like a non-soda version of Dr. Pepper. I feel like it puts me in mind of that. That would be definitely something that's always in my beverage fridge ready and waiting. Ooh, love it. All right. Last question. What is your go-to? See, I don't even know. I just make these up off. Okay. So if you had one book to recommend, like it could be personal development or it could just be like a book for fun, but what is a book that you think everybody should read? The Big Leap, 100%. Love that book. Yeah, it's good. I mean, multiple reads. I send it to clients. I recommend it all the time. I recently also feel like there's a top fiver that just emerged for me and it is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I have heard of that, but I have not read it myself. Got, it definitely has kind of um, some Christian influence or a lot of Christian influences as well, just for your listeners. Um, I didn't know that when I picked it up. It was, it's great for me, but I just was like, wow, like taking this step back and just examining life, especially for the season I am. I, I have a 13-year-old and 11-year-old and just the time, right? And it's like, everybody tells you that all along. I've been very aware of it. I've been very intentional and... Um, how can I keep getting more intentional with it? Mm, thank you for sharing that with us. And we will make sure that we link to the books that you recommended. We'll link to your website and all of the goodies that you shared today. Amanda, I am just so grateful for your time and appreciative for you being here with us today. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just honored to keep sharing my mission and passion and connect with awesome people like you. So thank you. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening in to The Found Podcast. If you loved what you heard in today's episode, please head over to The Found Podcast on iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review. It means so much to know how you think about these episodes where I pour out my heart or to know what strategies you found most effective from our guest experts. While you're there, you can also check out that library of 100 plus episodes of stories of female founders and successful strategies for getting found in your business. Thank you again for being here this week and I'll be back with even more in next week's episode.